Coming up this week on the Single Seater Space podcast. If I was Aston Martin, I wouldn't be very disappointed. It's very difficult to be perfect over 22 races, and perhaps only Max Verstappen was. But Max has gone on to say, like, he does not want to let go of this car ever. And who would blame him? If I was an Alpine fan, I would be concerned because they are making no progress. Remember, you can find all of our content on our website, singleseaterspace.co.uk, and on our social media using the at singleseaterspace. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Single Seater Space podcast. After the finale to the 2023 Formula One season, which saw Max Verstappen win his 19th race of the year, 19 out of 22 in 2023 for Max Verstappen, means that he now holds the record outright by some distance for the highest percentage of wins in an F1 season. And uh, it means that Ferrari were the only team to deny Red Bull all 22 races throughout this season after Verstappen dominated proceedings at the Yas Marina circuit. Charles Leclerc finished second for Ferrari ahead of George Russell in third for Mercedes, with Russell doing enough to mean that Mercedes secured second in the constructor standings ahead of Ferrari who eventually finished third by just three points in the battle for fourth McLaren finished ahead of Aston Martin they came into the weekend with an 11 point lead but uh, extended their advantage over the Silverstone based outfit and meant that McLaren's impressive resurgence meant that they finished fourth in the constructors and Yuki Tsunoda didn't quite do enough to mean that AlphaTauri could drag themselves above Williams in the constructor standings he fell short as he needed to finish sixth and in the end put on a good drive to finish in eighth place there was a little bit to talk about um throughout the Yaz Marina weekend uh Yas Marina is not really the best place to hold the season finale for the F1 World Championship. And in my opinion, it pretty much just sucks the life out of the F1 World, the end of the season. Like, it should be the crowning moment. And really, that just leaves you feeling a little bit flat, if I'm honest. And uh, it has been this way for a number of years. The circuit just really just is not that good. And joining me for this episode of the podcast is, of course, Taryn Glazebrook, Formula One and Formula E writer for Sing. Single seater space alongside myself, uh, James Scott, IndyCar and lead editor um, at Single Seater Space. So, Taron, um, where do we get started with the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix then? Uh, an interesting way to finish out the season and I guess the intrigue came from the Ferrari and Mercedes battle for second in the Constructors. Yeah, I think we were all just looking at the championship fights uh, throughout the race. You know, the battle for second in the Constructors, the battle for fourth the battle for seventh, and then in the Drivers' Championship, that titanic scrap for, for fourth place with between Alonso, both Ferraris, and Lando Norris. But yeah, I mean, you summarise it pretty perfectly. I love we call people energy givers or energy vampires. And uh, the Count Dracula of uh, energy vampires on the F1 calendar is uh, Yas Marina. Um, by Yas Marina standards, okay, the, 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 they aren't high standards. It's, you don't have to go beyond them to beat them. Um, for season finales, it was an okay season finale. I felt like I uh, like there was there was stuff happening, there were storylines to keep an eye on, and um, I think above all, it just proved why we needed a championship fight for those top positions. But yeah, as you said, nineteen out of twenty-two victories for Verstappen, breaking records, um, and Red Bull overtook um, the McLaren and that the RB nineteen 
is the most dominant car in F1 history, overtaking the McLaren MP4-4 from um, the 1980s uh, with Etten Senna and Alan Prost. Um, something that I don't think anyone would be saying, but um, I think Will Buxton released a little video this morning summarising um, how every F1 team strives to have the perfect season and it wasn't quite the perfect season for Red Bull, but to be honest, do we care about their one victory, you know, thing that they had at Singapore? No, to be honest, um, they, they've just gone and blown everyone out of the world with how dominant they've been this year. There's nothing finishing on 575 points, um, 290 points ahead of his teammate Sergio Perez and over double the points of the Mexican. Well, um, just pretty ridiculous, to be honest with you. Um, Rebel themselves finished on 860 points. That is just absolutely ridiculous. Again, breaking record after record after record. And God knows what is going to happen in 2024, because everyone is... Everyone's very far behind them at the moment, and... Um, we want better in 2024. I think it's fair to say it's not been the best of F1 seasons. Um, you know, in the Hall of Shame, 20, 2023 will go into the Hall of Shame of F1 seasons, unfortunately. Um, uh, along with, uh, as I was trying to James, well, along with 2015, 2002. Um, yeah, we, we just want a little bit better in 2024. There weren't any kind of... There were good races, I'd say, but there weren't any, like, great races or all-time classics to be honest with you yes the dutch grand prix had the most overtakes of any f1 race um since that's was being collected and it, it, we had races like that but they they weren't amazing races to be brutally honest with you they were just great because rain came into play anyway james um words on max verstappen and red bull um just keep on breaking records and nobody's going to stop them for a very long time don't you reckon yeah, I think so. Like, they have just been so thoroughly dominant over the course of the season. I mean, it looked at one stage like they really were going to win every single race of the year. And when we got to Singapore and they were off the pace, it was like, my word, there's a chance here. And I know that there was a little bit of uh, a question mark about whether they might win in Austin. Um, and Mercedes, and particularly Lewis Hamilton, came with a lot of pace before the uh, disqualification that Hamilton suffered and had the Mercedes strategy team not been asleep. There was an opportunity there for them to win the race. But yeah, quite simply, Yas Marina just showed why uh, why. They were just so strong and their, their car is adaptable. It's got such a wide operating window just to be so good that it never looked once like Max Verstappen was under threat. I know Leclerc put on a big battle in the opening lap down to turn nine, but when Verstappen got to turn nine first there, there was really, there was only going to be one winner at the end of the day. Um, and in the end, he finished comfortably uh, quite a few seconds clear. Uh, and I know Charles Leclerc in the end actually slowed down in order to try and um, help Ferrari in the Constructors' Championship. I'm quite surprised, actually, that Claire didn't start backing up George Russell um, to create himself a little bit of a buffer. I know he let Perez pass and gave him a slipstream and a bit of DRS, but I'm quite surprised that then Leclerc didn't back off sufficiently to really drive slowly through the third sector and make himself be sort of four and a half seconds behind Perez to cross the line and 
bank on um, Russell being outside that five-second window and allow Perez to sneak onto the podium and thus grant Ferrari second place in the constructors. But it wasn't meant to be um, for them. And yeah, Red Bull were just so strong. And Sergio Perez, oh, dearie me, what a season for Perez. Um, I mean, it almost finished kind of exactly how his season has, has gone, to be honest. Um, he was making progress after a bad qualifying, making progress through the race, does something stupid, obtains a five-second time penalty, and it hampers his progress further. And in the end, he finished fourth. And it just just put a... Uh, it just underlined just kind of the, the, the disappointing season that Perez has had since Miami. It's just all fallen apart. Um, and, you know, he's really, really suffered because of it. I mean, mentally, he's completely drained. You saw him having a go at the stewards on the radio after the race, which was pretty bizarre. Um, I don't think we've seen anything quite like that since the since Sebastian Vettel um, did it in... Uh, since Sebastian Vettel did it uh, throughout the... 2016 Mexico Grand Prix when he was really angry and it was just it was just incredibly bizarre um and it's the first one too that uh Red Bull I think have had since Miami oh and as well as Spa and it's just like they if he hadn't done that they would have finished first and second for the first time since Spa he did do it they finished first and fourth again They've only had no, they finished, they've only had one, two, three, four, five, six one twos in perhaps the most dominant car in F1 history, and Sergio Perez has been perhaps the entire reason for that. Whenever Verstappen hasn't won the race, he's finished second, and that was twice early in the season, barring Singapore, where you know it just all went wrong for Red Bull. So yeah, they haven't had a one two since Monza. Um, uh, they've ha they've had six throughout the season, and uh, quite simply for Perez, finishing on less points than the gap between you and your teammate is pretty embarrassing in the most dominant car of all time, and it just quite frankly proves that he has lost his head. Um, we'll talk about the team then that Perez decided to spear into McLaren. Um, they secured uh, fourth place in the constructor standings. Um, it always looked like it was going to be that way. It was going to take some effort from Aston Martin to overhaul the large points gap. But um, Taron, they did well um, nonetheless in Abu Dhabi, reasonably so. And uh, it sort of, you know, it, it kind of underlined their season that this has been a decent resurgence, but um, they've still got a little bit, little way to go. Uh, don't don't you mean that it should be uh, uh, Fernando Alonso doing an incredible effort, considering Lance Stroll's best effort? It's probably going to be finishing in P10, but anyway, um, yeah, um, yeah, McLaren. I think um, it was like the tiniest bit of hope for Aston Martin after Vegas um, that they could actually make something out of this P4 Championship fight. But um, yeah, I, I I'm pretty sure the the, the qualifying on Saturday just uh, completely dashed any hope that they had. Um, the one thing I will say about Lando Norris is he is prone to bottling a final lap. Lando, like, yes, you can hear him being really harsh on himself on the radio and stuff like that, but it's for a reason, you know? Like, that that final lap of his in Abu Dhabi um, kind of displays... Like, that stuff separates him from that top, top, top tier of driver that uh, the, like, the likes of Verstappen. Um, uh, I'd say Verstappen and Hamilton are kind of that top, top tier, and Lando's might, maybe maybe just in that tier below, because um, he, he is no slouch, Lando. How on earth is he there fighting for P4 in the Drivers' Championship 
despite how bad McLaren were at the start of the season. It is just absolutely unbelievable how well Lando's actually done in the second half of the season. And um, to see him finish um, in uh, P6 in the Drivers' Championship, just one point below um, Alonso and Leclerc uh, in P4 and P5, is uh, still a brilliant effort from Lando. And um, I think uh, McLaren will be taking P4 home with a, a stride they've definitely taken strides in 2023 and they need to make strides in 2024 they've always been looking to get into the battle with uh the likes of ferrari the likes of mercedes the likes of red bull you know the big three as we always called them mclaren did that in the second half of the season it's just if they can do it from the start of the season throughout the season and keep it going um, talking about teams who fell behind, Aston Martin, um, finishing P5 in the Constructors' Championship when he started the season with perhaps the second or third best car on the F1 grid. Uh, where, 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 where do we go with them? Um, Fernando Alonso did an utterly brilliant job. How does this guy do it? Chad Alonso, how does he finish P4 in the Drivers' Championship? How does he do this kind of stuff? You know, Alonso, he is just absolutely unbelievable. And I've, he's, he's definitely displayed that he's still, you know, whilst he might be a little bit older than the rest of the grid, he is still very, very capable of putting up a big fight. Um, as for his teammate Stroll, oh, I, I don't really know what to say to him. It's kind of that similar situation to Perez. You know, Alonso over double the points of his teammate and more. Um, yeah, not not really much to say about Lance Stroll. Yes, he had two relatively okay performances at the end of this season. You know, his performance in Brazil, his performance in Vegas. You know, they, they, those those were good performances, but we just need to see them more often from Lance. Um, you know, you 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 need to perform over the season rather than just having your snapshots here and there. You know. Like, like you're splashing them over the place like confetti. It has to be over the season being really, really consistent. And if there's anyone who's consistent, it's Alonso. If there's anyone who's consistent, it is the Spaniard. Um, not really much else to say about Alonso, to be honest with him. Just an amazing, an amazing 2023 season from him. Yeah, and if I was Aston Martin, I wouldn't be too disappointed with finishing fifth in the end, considering how bad they were in 2022 and the steps that they've made forward. I think... Has really been um has, has really been good for them and you know there there was at the start of the season a big buzz about the team and you know it tailed off a little bit but it's very difficult to be perfect over twenty two races and perhaps only Max Verstappen was and you know maybe just and he had even had one race off so you know if I was Aston Martin I wouldn't be very disappointed they've made steps they've they, they especially towards the end of the season they've got their car back within an operating window in which they are comfortable and we saw that in Vegas and we saw that a bit from Alonso in Abu Dhabi as well so if I was them I think you know I just kick on for 2024 keep moving keep growing keep building and you know I don't we don't know how long Alonso is going to stay around right but for them, I don't think they'll be too disappointed. And it's easy to say, oh, they got, well, they, they tailed off so hard that, you know, fifth is a real disappointment. But for them, it's three places better than last year. It's a significant number of points more. And really, you know, they, they, they've been on the podium again multiple times this year, which they weren't last year. And 
it it there there should be a buzz about them when they take a step back and some of the initial disappointment has worn off. Aston Martin can be proud of the efforts that they put in throughout 2023 to bring themselves back towards the top of the midfield and almost try and break the glass ceiling of Ferrari, Mercedes, and. Um, Red Bull as being a team that can consistently challenge towards the front. And that will come over time. I mean, you just look, they just look quite inexperienced and a bit raw um, being around the front. And there's nothing wrong with that. It'll always take a little bit of time to settle. So, yeah, uh, I think they'll be absolutely fine um, over the, the course of the winter. And they'll try and build towards next year then. The team that I would be concerned about is Alpine. I would be really concerned if I was an Alpine fan. I know there's not many of them, but of the ones that there are, if I was an Alpine fan, I would be concerned because they are making no progress. It is just flat. The The team is just, it's just very stagnant. They just look incredibly flat. They're in no man's land. There's a massive gap behind them, a large gap in front of them. There seems to be plenty of inter-team wars Gasly's radio with Esteban Ocon over the course of this weekend and wondering why Ocon jumped him in the pit stops and the drivers getting different favoured strategies and stuff. And to be honest, they really feel like they're in a mess. And Taryn, you'll probably want to follow up on this. But yeah, if I was an Alpine fan, I would be concerned. Yeah, just absolutely nowhere for Alpine. Like, I, 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 was, I was just looking at the qualifying head sweats and the, the time gap between the drivers was only 800. It's like Gasly and Ocon are really, really closely matched. And I'm actually looking at this season and Alpine, both drivers finished on the podium. Like, it's it's mad to think about that. Ocon had his brilliance around Monaco and I um, can't really remember where Gasly finished on the podium. I know he finished on the podium in the Belgium sprint race. I think he finished again on the podium a lot in the second half of the season. Um, I can't remember whereabouts, but anyway. Um, yeah, they're, they're just absolutely nowhere. And it, it, it's it's the odd situation for Alpine that, that since they kind of rebranded yes they've had their moments you know when they were Renault at least you know we had Ricardo finishing on the podium multiple times we had um, Hockenberg doing brilliance and you know they were so 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 solid for P4 in the championship and I'm pretty sure they were saying um, we will be fighting with the top three teams within this amount of years and since then they've gone backwards and Alpine are just, uh, they're, they're just there uh, at the moment. I, I don't want to say they're there to make up the numbers because they're sitting in P6 in the constructors, but you, 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 you've, you've really got to make strides forward. F, F1 is about kind of developing your car. It's about going forward in the pack rather than backwards. And if you're staying nowhere, you, 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 you haven't done anything. And I know this is really, really harsh to say, but Alpine just really, really needs a bit to bring their A game in 2024. Uh, it's sad to say that, uh, but yeah, um, going having like inter-team battles between the English and the French, you know, whilst it's whilst it's not a rare thing, having it in an F1 team, having that disharmony in an F1 team is absolutely unacceptable, you know. You, you you should be working together you should be you should be as well like you, as, as much as you shouldn't really be friends you should be getting along with each other so your team can improve and stuff like that but you know the rumors coming out of them um a few races ago was not really good to see and it i i really really hated it and as for the whole thing between gasly and ocon just shut up guys your teammates of course you're not you, you want to beat each other of course you you want to do well but at the end of the day, comparing yourself to your teammate 
after a pit stop and getting favoured strategies. I'd never heard. Uh, I of course, of course, Bottas was always like disappointed after Hamilton got favoured strategies, but you didn't really ever hear Bottas on the radio kind of complaining to the to, to the Mercedes team that Hamilton got a better strategy here, Hamilton got a better strategy there, costing him race wins. Bottas shut up. He did his job, and he was a brilliant teammate. And whilst you know, you know, when you're against Lewis Hamilton, it is very, very hard. To um, to, he, he was a very hard driver to beat. You know, Hamilton is one of the best of all time. Bottas didn't complain. And as for Alpine, you two drivers, you need to work with each other. You need to at least start bridging that gap to the top five teams, and you need to make strides forward rather than complaining all the time. I'm gonna start talking about those who finished in P7 behind them, that little battle for P7, and also talking about qualifying head to head. The goat, Alexander Albon. 27-0. Like, amazing effort. Um, I'm going to mention the 2020 season when he was out-qualified by Verstappen in every single race. To fight back in that sort of way, that's some character right there. In 2020, Alex was absolutely nowhere immense. You could see, like, he was broken. I remember how broken Alex was at the end of the season and how he was left without a 2021 drive and still, still going. That took some guts. And the way Alex has gone about this season, he has definitely proved, as Martin Brundle said, Alex Albon has proved that he's the real deal in F1. And to beat, I know he's beaten Logan Sargent. And so Logan Sargent is a rookie. He's not exactly like season driver in Formula One. It's 27-0 is still an effort. Um and to the time gap between the drivers was the biggest on the grid. It was over half a second. That is some feat. Um to to get Williams P7 in the championship after where they've been in the last in the last how many seasons? Since 2018 pretty much. To get them P7 at the kind of head of the back markers if you like, that is a brilliant, brilliant job by Williams. I will shout out to Yuki Tsunoda, um, who I believe has definitely been one of the best, better drivers this season. Yuki, um, I'm not, I don't really want to call him underrated, but he, he's just, Yuki's had a brilliant, brilliant season. How he gave AlphaTauri even a smudge of hope. His lap in qualifying was unbelievable. To put AlphaTauri P6 ahead of Fernando Alonso, ahead of Sergio Perez, ahead of Lewis Hamilton. That that is just an amazing, amazing effort from Yuki, and um, he can definitely take AlphaTauri. I feel have a, also a team with a stride in their step at the moment. They're definitely making places. They're definitely they're they're up the order compared to where they were at the start of the season. Um, so yeah, brilliant job by AlphaTauri. Whilst they did get P seven, they will take a lot of good heading into twenty twenty four. James, what do you think of that battle for P seven? It was certainly getting quite. <sighs> feisty towards the end yeah i mean there was it was quite it was quite warmly contested i mean i think for alpha tari they were miles out of it until right until the end and then uh they sort of picked up um towards the end with you know four points finishes in the last five races including an eighth a seventh and a ninth and an eighth so there's a significant chunk of their points came right towards the end because up until that point they'd only had five points throughout the season so then to finish on 25 from the last five races getting 20 of them is a reasonably impressive job and yeah uh williams i mean 
they've got an incredibly long way to go. I mean, Abu Dhabi, they, they had quite simply no pace. So, yeah, they deserve a bit of praise for getting that seventh place and a bit more um, cash into the team, etc. But they have got a long way to go because they finished 94 points or 92 points behind Alpine, which is a long way. And, yeah, Alpine, I mean, they finished... 160 points off McLaren and 92 points ahead of Williams. So they are very much in no man's land. So for Williams to even break in to that, they've got a long way to go. Alpha Tari are perhaps maybe more likely to do so next year when they'll be racing bulls um, because perhaps they will just be getting a copy of Red Bull's 2023 car. Um, the new name is really bad, um, but that that's what they've chosen. And it almost highlights that, you know, there will be four Red Bull cars on the grid next year. And it's a bit embarrassing. It's a little bit sort of, you know, it's one team having slightly too much influence over the rest of them. But um, yeah, and uh, an interesting sort of setup nonetheless, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, Alfa Romeo finished on 16 and then Haas on 12. Not a good season for either of them. Alfa Romeo wave goodbye then to Formula 1 after a few underwhelming years. Um, no, they're just no progress, really. And I know that they've always been a small team and some, but something they could have given us something to cling on to but really no since 2018 and um the the highs of Leclerc doing quite well for them since then it's just been a a downward slope for Alfa Romeo and there's just been no no improvement no signs of big strides towards the front of the grid other than that brief start of 2022 where they almost looked like they'd nailed the new regulations when they hadn't they'd actually just nailed how heavy their car should have been because every other team was overweight except Alfa Romeo and Red Bull and then uh, Alfa Romeo's actual car pace was exposed and, and it was bad um so yeah uh not not great really from the bottom four teams they all have a long way to go i know there's always going to be a loser in in f1 but there was a significant amount of sort of umming and ahhing about these last four teams and you know um they williams can count themselves a little bit lucky that alpha tari didn't sort of strike earlier on in the season um and yeah, they uh, they just about scraped P7 and mainly down to Alex Albon scoring the bulk of the points for them. But yeah, for Haas and Alfa Romeo, 2023 is a write-off and uh, hope for something better in the coming uh, years because that certainly has been a low point. And um, for Haas, I'm not sure how much better it's going to get over the next, given their track record over the next few, especially considering the 2024 regulations are virtually identical for Haas. Um, it could be a very, very, very long road out. Um, Taryn, anything else you want to pick up on after Abu Dhabi Grand Prix? Because, yeah, there actually just isn't that much to say. I'm sure you've got more to say, but uh, throughout the race, there just wasn't really very many things happening. Yeah, the main thing was just keeping an eye on all this, like, the the, the storylines throughout the race, you know, the, the, the yeah, like the championship fights. But I think above all, Abu Dhabi just provi like proved why we needed just something to hold on to this F1 season because... We we all remember this F1 season as the one that was dominated by Max Verstappen. Max has gone on to say like he does not want to let go of this car ever. And who would blame him? Like it is the most dominant car in F1 history. And whilst people are trying to prove otherwise, <laughs> you, you, you 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 cannot prove. Like the statistics are like they're proving otherwise, guys. Like it it has been a pretty ridiculous F1 season um, to have a team win 21 out of 22 races. Like, this is a long F1 season. 
like the the one that McLaren had was a lot shorter, and they that they they had you know that the percentage was lower as a result. Um, but uh, I, I'm I'm lost for words now. Like F1 this year was just really poor. I'm so happy IndyCar had some action. I'm so happy Formula E had some action because otherwise, most sport in 2023. I remember saying it started pretty well. And it's tailed off so, so, so hard because Formula E stopped in um, July. IndyCar stopped in September. We basically only had Formula One to watch. And um, it's not been great viewing, to be honest with you. Um, I also just wanted to point out that there, apparently there were some fights at some Abu Dhabi F1 parties afterwards um, that I heard similar to like the fights in Mexico. And just... Stop it, guys! Like it genuinely, like I, I know I love Drive to Survive. Like in the early parts of it, it was brilliant. It brought an F1 community, increased the size of it. But to go, it is just created that disparity um, within the F1 community that we just don't like to see. So please stop fighting, people. Please stop fighting. We all love this sport. We all we all want to watch it together. We want to we want to talk about it. But to fight because you see somebody wearing I don't know to to see them see someone wearing an Alpine shirt or an Aston Martin shirt or to see someone wear a Red Bull shirt with the number one cap on their head, you know, and to fight on about it. I don't like it, James. I don't want to see it. I I don't want to see it. I want to say goodbye to 2023. I want to start in 2024 with the championship fight. I want to see fans in harmony, and I want to see all of it because this season just kind of took it. It, it drained my energy. It saps my energy. The, the the 2023 season was an energy and it was an energy vampire. Um, writing every, writing most of the F1 reports was a struggle. Like. That I didn't have that in Formula E. I happily, I happily sat in the library and wrote the, you know, the the double header race reports because stuff happened. There were storylines. There were fights for race leads here and there. I'm, I'm sure you'll say the same for IndyCar, especially when IndyCar was busy. You happily wrote the race reports because it was happy. You know, there were storylines. The the F1 season didn't have any, and God knows we just want to change to 2024. Yeah, but I'm not confident that 2024 will be any different with the virtually the same regulations. Um, it'll be same old, same old. Uh, I'm pretty sure it'll just be like insanity is doing the same things over and over again, expecting different results. But and there won't be very many different results. I mean, when we have a season where in almost a majority of races, the top 11 um, drivers in the standings were the ones scoring the majority of the points. I mean, in Hungary, the top 10 in the standings at the end of the season were the ones that scored every single point in that race. So, you know, it's very much a closed shop at the moment. And um, yeah, uh, it's time for, I think it's time for a bit of a, a refresh because came into 2023 with quite a lot of hope and we're exiting the 2023 going. Well, that was quite long and... Um, you know, there weren't there weren't very many moments that'll stick in the memory. I mean, that Max Verstappen winning the world championship in the sprint race has surely got to you know surely got to put the uh, the the icing on the cake for this uh, disaster that has been 2023. And we can always hope for more um, in 2024. But yeah, really, there's just there hasn't been that good a race. And I feel with Yas Marina as well, the life has almost been sucked out of F1. Yas Marina, in theory, should be a great season finale, but it never is. It has never once lived up to the hype with a good race at all. I mean, 
2021, for the most part, wasn't even that exciting. It had one lap at the end because they had to make it exciting because their their perfect championship duel in the desert um, came crashing down to the end. So, uh, yeah, um, what what uh, what a what a year it's been. It's been it's been interesting. Um, it's definitely been a long. But don't worry, next year will be two races longer with Imola returning and China added to the schedule for 2024 we will have another two races and it'll be just as lengthy and just as time consuming for all involved um is that everything give us a nod if that's everything um for this week's episode of the podcast or have you got one more thing to say no is that's everything because it's a shorter one because uh not much happened in yas marina um uh, the fireworks were cool. Max Verstappen did some donuts at the end. Um, Toto Wolff and Christian Horner had a bit of a hug towards the end of the uh, year when they were obviously having a few drinks at the end of the season. But um, yeah, and uh, 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 an interesting F1 season has come to a close. Not one that will be remembered in uh, in in F1 folklore. Um, Taron's got one more thing to say. Can someone give Charles Leclerc the biggest hug ever? Because generally, that that guy, honestly, on the radio, his end of year radio when he wasn't allowed to do any burnouts, like I, I, my heart is with that guy at the moment. I just please hope to God, give that guy a hug if you see him on the road because he needs one. Yeah, Charles Leclerc does definitely need something because the poor guy. How much bad luck can you have? And um, yeah, uh, Charles Leclerc is going to go into hibernation for the winter break before reminding himself he does in fact have to drive for Ferrari in 2024. That's all from us this week. We'll do a big season review next week um, for our final podcast of 2023. And then we will wish you all a very Merry Christmas. But it's not going to happen yet because it's still the 27th of November and it's getting cold and dark and now there's no f1 on there's there's really nothing to do not that we enjoyed it anyway but it at least was something to do but that's all for this week and we will see you next time goodbye